Hello and welcome back to another episode with me, Cristalina Fischetti, as your host. Follow us on Instagram at Hype Voices. Support Hype with a thank you gift if you like. Find the link on the page that reads more on our website, hype-a.com. That's hype-a.com. A little goes a very long way. All proceeds go straight to Hype. If you like to provide sponsorship or advertise your business and you think it's in line with our brand, why not reach out through the contact page on hype-a.com. Today we have Verity Babs. Verity is a presenter, an art critic and comedian from Northampton in England, UK. She founded and hosts Art Laughs, which brings art-themed comedy events to arts and heritage spaces. She hosts Voice FM's weekly arts and culture show, for which she has been shortlisted for the Community Radio Awards Newcomer of the Year Award. So let's welcome Verity. How are you doing, Verity? Hello, I'm doing all right, mate. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for um, being here. I know you've got a very, very busy schedule, so it really means a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm pleased that it looks that way from the outside. <laughs> Thank you for keeping that illusion alive for me. So um, how did you get into the presenting do you want to start with presenting or comedy or your interest in art let's just go from the beginning let's start from the beginning sure thing um so they all really tie in with each other um so I in in school was very interested in creative things um and had some very supportive uh, art teachers and teachers in sixth form um I was encouraged to take part in the articulation prize when I was about 17 and articulation is this great thing it's a public speaking competition for students I think it's like 15 to 19 and they encourage you to pick an artwork and then you have to do a 10 minute presentation on that artwork and I was encouraged to take part in it because I think I was basically someone who was like opinionated and uh, and easily distractible so um, I was ideal <laughs> ideal to take part in it and I I spoke about Damien Hurst's medicine cabinets and thought I was very edgy because I mentioned the sex pistols and uh and taking part in that and sort of talking about art and sort of talking about art in a way that felt I don't know genuine and like how people actually talk um mm. was really key for me I mean I'd seen Hurst's retrospective uh back in 2012 I've still got the poster um up behind me um and had you know I'd also seen Banksy's Dismaland and it's sort of those experiences of seeing art in that way that um made me really excited about art in a way that I don't think I'd necessarily had been before um I went to Oxford to do history of art and while I was there was mostly really just doing uh improv with the Oxford Imps and uh stand-up bits in the review uh so so all the time I think from university onwards my the art stuff has gone hand in hand with the comedy stuff because um yeah if ever the the degree wasn't going well I say well it doesn't matter I'm going to be a comedian and if the comedy stuff wasn't going well I say it doesn't matter I'm going to be an art historian so they both really were a security blanket for the other uh 
and yes, so I left university and uh, foolishly left university almost immediately into the pandemic, which was not a good move on my part. Um, and did some you know unpaid internships and and quite dull art world experiences and was like wow this is kind of horrid like no no one's smiling no one seems to be having a nice time it's very corporate it's very organized it, it, these things that sort of feel quite other to who I am uh, so so art laughs actually started in the in the pandemic as a series of YouTube interviews with comedians that I'd worked with before um, and they all picked a, uh, an artwork they liked and we had a bit of a chat about it. Um, some people chose paintings and sculptures, but other people chose, you know, posters on their bedroom walls or um, a, an etching that their mum had in the kitchen or or something like that. And those were really good fun. And uh, and yeah, and then sort of takes us up to now because in 2021, started doing Art Laughs as live events. Um, it took the show to Edinburgh. We now offer all different sorts of formats we sort of let let improvisers loose in paintings archives and do stand up and guided tours and all sorts um and we uh just did our first gig at the national gallery two weeks ago wow i mean oh my gosh okay let's let's um let's go back a little bit in terms of you feeling well obviously like after covid <laughs> the pandemic everyone was a little bit in shock I'm sure um I'm sure you sense that and you were saying about the art world being serious place and it is it is very serious and very it's sort of like I don't know well I'm just gonna say it <laughs> like I always say here on a high pay I'm very honest it was very it's a very elite establishment really isn't it mm. and there's a lot of noses that tend to be turned upwards um at least at least the art world that most people universally know about you know obviously there's different types of art worlds within the art world like you mentioned Banksy and Damien Hirst's and even um I think even Sadie Cole's the gallerist was was fairly uh, and Jay Doplin as well were fairly um in tune with the new artists that were coming out during you know the late 90s and that had a bit of a radical sense of humor and about the art world itself um I really would love to talk more about that because I think as you as you mentioned as you touched on the art world is very serious and I think we forget especially for people who work in the art world somehow one way or another who are artists we can take things too seriously and art is meant to be pleasurable surely yeah I mean it's interesting we talk about the art world and we like the art world's very earnest and elite and uh, and inaccessible Whereas what we actually mean is like the arts institutions, right? Or, the, you know, the galleries, the training programs, the internships, the like the ladders within it. Actually, artists, the people who are actually making the stuff, yeah. lo loads of fun. You know, they <laughs> are make. you know, there's artists who make work that's really fun and really engaging. And then suddenly it's trapped behind like a Mayfair gallery where you'd have to spend millions to buy it. And all of the people who work there look at you as if you're a little beetle that's wandered in um is it's odd because I feel like the artists almost accidentally get wrapped up in having to play into the system when they you know all power to them they're they're doing good stuff and good and fun and welcoming and accessible stuff and then it's the problem is the system we've built around it in terms of buying and selling of art or displaying of art um yeah sort of knocks the wind out of out of those sales mm -hmm. And, you know, you were just mentioning like playing to to the institution. I just 
um, thought about Grace and Perry's book, Playing to mm. the Gallery, um, which was a huge, huge hit for many people. And I think, um, you know, Grayson was one of those people that came out into the art world at a time that was that really needed a revamp, I feel. Um, and I think there are ways of continuing to be yourself, even, you know, you, how you identify yourself as, but while still being sovereign to the work that you wish to create for the world, for yourself and for the world, um, and maybe even the community that you're part of, um, while still kind of dancing around certain rules that we need to dance around in the art world as well. Yeah, I think just remaining authentic to yourself is is the way through for sort of any creative career because there are a lot of people for whom they can remain completely authentic to themselves and work in a large institution with a lot of money and a lot of you know money exchanging hands and uh deals being made and that's authentic to them um mm. and actually I think spending time working out what is is and isn't uh, conducive to remaining authentic to yourself is very handy because it means that there's stuff that you can you, you know, see an opportunity and you go actually that's not that's not for me whereas I think I spent a long time when I first graduated being like why isn't that for me like if only I were more organized or less authority averse or um whatever it is and thinking that was a me problem whereas actually there are loads of spaces we don't hear about in the art world that that do welcome new ideas um doing things a little bit differently um so yeah I think it was a, the, the case of just sort of shedding the expectations of this is what an mm -hmm. art critic looks like this is what a curator looks like this is whatever I mean I definitely left uh university thinking that the jobs available to you in the art world were being a curator or probably being unemployed they were like that's the job that you can do in the art world um but there are loads of different aspects and and things that allow you to sort of find your authentic self whether you're a creator mm. or a curator or whatever it is yeah absolutely um I think that I, I am I get a little bit worried for the youth nowadays I'll be honest <laughs> now that I'm almost well I'm not going to say my age but you can find out on my website um <laughs> um <laughs> but I I am a little bit worried about them um because there is, I sense, a growing disparity, like a, a growing distance. And maybe this is something that just keeps coming in in waves. It's just part of history, you know, where there is a greater distance between the wealthy and basically the unemployed, you know, um, and stroke the working class. So it could be, it, it could, it could go either way. It could go really, really well for a lot of artists where a bit like, the pandemic where a lot of people had to think outside of the box even more so and see new ways of maybe um having purpose or new ways of seeing how to work you know maybe maybe for artists that could change for the better maybe we're going to see especially with the rise of ai seeing how how that's going to change even more so and how institutions are going to change with it um but yeah that's just my little little auntie auntie crystalina um head um, speaking but um you have a very niche niche uh thing that you've created which is as you mentioned um is art laughs now have you have you come across anyone else that's done something because you, you mentioned there is there are people that are you know have an idea that 
art needs to be a little bit more lighthearted. Um, you have some amazing titles of opinion pieces. Uh, one of them is, is the art world ready for VR? And another one is, how is AI changing art history? And that was for hyperallergic. Do you want to just briefly discuss those topics just in brief? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think a lot of the writing I do is mm -hmm. uh, is in the hope that basically people read it and think, oh, she sort of sounds sounds like she knows what she's talking about. We should get her to present something. I think that a lot <laughs> of my uh, a lot of my goals, including the art laughs stuff, is, is hopefully sort of I hope that that feeds into a into a presenting career really because that's what sort yeah. of really really does it for me. I mean, um, mm -hmm. really enjoy writing. I've written for some great places over the years. Um, and a lot of the time, I don't know, I, I found this more and more recently that quite a lot of people who, who say they're an art historian or say they're an art critic have mm -hmm. got an area of expertise. Like they know everything that there is to know about the pre-Raphaelites or, you know, they, yeah. are, they are like an absolute interwar years, genius, whatever it is, because um, that's what their PhD is on. That's what their first, that's what their first book was on. Um, and I sort of live, <laughs> I live without expertise um, with, with nothing in particular that I'd say I'm a, I'm a specialist in really mm. um it's it's really just things that that pique my interest um and the problem like I suppose of, of pitching articles to publications or online publications in particular is they really need them to have a hook so you know like, why is this relevant mm. right now mm. um so oftentimes I, I sort of miss the boat because I'm really just yeah. pitching things that I'm interested in or, or debates or conversations that I'm interested mm. in or have a thought about um, so it's all it's all pretty sporadic. Yeah, there's um, well, there it is very on topic right now. Virtual reality and um, and AI. Um, but um, yeah, I'm sh I I quite I I'm what I'm hearing from you is is I I really like your way of focusing on a project that you're working on and then just clearing out your brain space for something new. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's adhd man that's yeah <laughs> that's that's what it'll, that's what it'll do for yeah. you <laughs> i think i have i think i have that too like a little bit i i mean i'm definitely i have dyslexia anyway but my long-term memory so i can remember things from like many 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 years ago but i, I can't really remember like what just happened sort of thing so <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i think it's also quite refreshing as well because I'm sure it would mean that you don't have to hold on to ideas in your in your in your mind for too long. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely suits me best to have lots of different plates spinning and to tend to one at a time, you know, or like focusing on one at a time, but yeah. still have these other outlets. I think that when mm. I was working in full time employment for mm -hmm. for anything really, there just wasn't enough variety to keep to keep me. Um, focused in so having you know oh I could write yeah. an article or I could pitch a podcast or I could uh, try and do another comedy night or whatever it is having the freedom in freelance life to have those different projects all running at a time sort of is has been part of me leaning into my wiring rather than trying to fight against it I guess like similarly like we said at the beginning about the yeah. sense of you know if I change then maybe I will fit into the art world um whereas actually mm. it's it's fine to just go oh I you know I don't really fit into the art world so I'll do some other stuff um, so yeah. yeah, it's all part of all part of trying to lean into lean into my skills rather than sort of berate myself for my weaknesses. 
Yeah, I, t- I can totally relate as you can appreciate, you know, I, I'm an artist and, um, and I set up the podcast last year, hype a, and, um, and that I'm also a mystic as well. And that helps again, like it helps my brain and my creativity and my skill sets. And mm. I think, I think um, there's something that can be really learnt about as you, as you're, as you're pointing on um, to be your authentic self rather than trying to fit into, into a box. And, and I, I think it's okay because basically they all relate to each other. Like everything that I do relates to each other um and um what you what you're doing is relating to each other and as you're saying you're using your skill sets rather than breaking yourself down um and i think that's important because i think again um we're taught that we have to mainly just focus on one thing or one career uh, one way of doing things usually and it is very refreshing that there are people like you uh, and me <laughs> uh, and many other creatives who are doing the thinking outside of the box in real life you know and I think again like going back to the pandemic I think that's really helped many people too yeah completely I mean I had a I was lucky enough to be on the I like networking mentoring program last year um, Mm -hmm. as a mentee and um, got paired up with the brilliant Lauren Mulhern who runs Plan Make Do and I had this amazing session with her when I was sort of going through all these different things that I wanted to do and or maybe I could pitch that or maybe I could do this or you know what do you think I should do and she gave me some of the best advice I now give all of my friends and she said Verity don't be a busy fool and and I love that because it was not the sense of like you shouldn't be doing lots of different things it wasn't that you shouldn't be multitasking etc etc but make sure that all of the things you are doing are feeding into one goal right Mm -hmm. so the writing and presenting and the comedy do all feed into the same like into what I guess is my practice at large Mm -hmm. but she's saying you know if you want to be an art critic don't be pitching articles about love and relationships because that's not going to help you in your career as a an art presenter you know don't suddenly I don't know don't suddenly apply to be a fireman because that's not going to help you in like don't be a busy fool you know so it's fine to be busy but don't be you know sort of be relatively strategic about it and make sure that everything you're doing feeds into the into the into the right direction I guess absolutely um and talking about directions at the time of this recording it is freeze week freeze art fair week in London high pay listeners and there's a lot of hysteria already in the art world uh, maybe like the last two weeks uh, in preparation and I went to Regent's Park this morning um and you can just you can just sense the the drama um are you going to be attending freeze art fair uh no i'm not um i i wrote a piece about (laughs) about uh, freeze last year yeah um just for for a website that i run with uh, uh, a friend of mine leo sartian who runs rafiki gallery um, oh, yes, and it's yeah. just where you, we basically post opinion pieces and reviews and things like that and I wrote a piece I've not looked at it in ages I, I find it quite easy to watch myself back or listen to myself on podcasts back I, I don't find that cringy but I, I never read things I've written back um, yeah. so I've not read it in ages but it's uh, called on freeze and failure and I wrote oh. this piece basically about the fact that it gets to you know uh, September time And I start to feel really uneasy about myself and what I'm doing with my life. Where's my career going? All this sort of stuff. And realizing that the lead up to freeze had become such a big um, activator for me feeling that way because Mm -hmm. it was like, 
anyone who's anyone goes to freeze, but they don't pay for their ticket. They get invited. So there was this year on year, there'd been this big thing of like, okay, who is going to let me be there plus one? If I'm there all like everyone, everyone who's anyone has to be there, but you have to be there properly. You can't have bought your ticket, you know, and realizing that what freeze represented for me was this basically this big, you know, giant of a thing that represented all the things that I wasn't good at in the art world. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't good at climbing the, you know, commercial gallery ladder. I wasn't good at, I don't know, the yeah like these commercial elements of it or networking in that way or or whatever it is yeah and I just found that year on year I felt dreadful um oh. so I posted this piece about the fact that you know I think that these things are had become tied together for me and then you know at the end of the end of the uh, essay I'm saying you know so that's you know that's why I, that's why this is not good for me but if anyone does have a ticket for next year let me know um that it yes it had become a bit of a, a weight over me and I sort of this year had waited for that to happen to for mm -hmm. that feeling to wash over me and um and luckily it hasn't and I think that's because I'm this is the first year of me being fully freelance sort of fully in control of I guess my own work and destiny or whatever or whatever else it is um so this year luckily I've not felt dreadful but um but yeah I mean last year I've had like this real issue that mm -hmm. surrounded freeze basically being like people are going to be there who worked with me before who haven't liked me you know there have been people oh. that I've tried to contact who've blanked me like whatever, whatever it is yeah that just freeze became like a big issue for me and it was amazing actually the response to it I mean um, a lot of the things I post no one <laughs> no one ever reads but I had dozens of people even now people who are reading it now a year later saying you know thank you for writing this um you know I feel exactly that same way um you know this is so sort of refreshingly honest um and, and sometimes people say that to me they say you know I just love how honest you were about it and and I and I realize that maybe the things that I think I'm saying aren't like <laughs> brutal and <laughs> brutal and uh I don't know extreme but other people are like oh I can't believe that you I can't believe that you know you were brave enough to say that you know freeze makes you feel this way so I do worry mm. that maybe I'm not aware of quite how um, rude the article was but um, people have been really lovely about it and say they feel the same way and it's made them feel better about things and and that's a lovely thing to hear yeah absolutely I mean I I sort of um I can understand and I can relate to that I mean what you're saying is very relatable because there is a lot of anxiety that comes about like and also um when one does go and visit it is it is really overwhelming just because I mean for me as a sensitive as a as a as an empath I feel so much and so like a room and then another room and many 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 other rooms full of people I just I get um I sort of shut down and I, I it's just too much for me it's too much uh I, I I sense the schmoozing like most people do but I sense other things too and um and it, it's just it can be overwhelming and then also um I always question like my inner cynic comes out mentally in my head where I'm going are people actually looking at the work or are they just taking pictures of them and then just moving on you know um or are they just there to engage and there's all these rules as well as artists um take note art artists high pay listeners um if you're going to an art fair one of the rules is you don't approach a gallery and you don't give them the business card, your business card. Okay. Um, so there's like many rules as well, even within the art fair um, world too. Yeah. Anyway, those are just my two cents really. 
yeah but I mean also the thing you know that's the the thing with you know like don't approach you know galleries at freeze for representation and this sort of thing it's like it, it sort of demonstrate it d- demonstrates this point that that the art world and sort of the freeze art world yeah, the, the art world at which the apex is freeze mm-hmm. is not um built for anyone coming from the outside like yeah. there are all these galleries are either only representing dead artists um so it's the same six same six caucasian dead men who yeah. have their have exhibitions there every year or they are you know specific people that they have had boozy dinners at soho house with and have you know mm-hmm. shook hands under the table that i just find you know and i and i i am have got such a poor attention span when it comes to exhibitions so last mm-hmm. year when I went to freeze it was my record amount of time in there because I was there for a whole 45 minutes um, oh brilliant and left. um but that's I, like, great I've never, I've never managed I've never managed any longer than that um <laughs> yeah through gritted teeth but it's like yeah. um I think you know, that's about mine as well maybe about an hour and that's it it's just too yeah, much just, just can't do it and I mean a lot of the stuff it will be the case that I think actually I think there's nothing wrong with people going in and taking photos of stuff and then sort of looking at the artist afterwards because you know that that space is sort of it's not actually conducive to people standing still and having a really reflective moment because it's so busy and it's laid out like a supermarket and all these sorts of things so I think that (laughs) yeah it it represents a lot of the for me it represents a lot of the less fun qualities of the art world and which includes the fact that it's not really for artists who aren't represented by anyone it's yeah. it's for collectors, right? So it's it's not actually um, I don't know, and there are quite a few things that look like opportunities for artists, but actually secretly they're they're opportunities for collectors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the I mean uh, there are a lot a lot of artists, um, including myself, and I'm going to be even more honest here, high pay listeners, um, that carry some resentment. You know, especially especially us us well I'm not an oldie yet but (laughs) those that have been in the art world um been represented been working um in the industry for a good 15 years um see a a young fresh-faced artist coming out of college one of the main institutions in London and I have I have been one of those people who went to Chelsea Art College in London um but but yeah, they they immediately represented by gallery, and then they go straight to freeze art fair essentially. And it's like it's kind of inevitable and unavoidable to to, to think why why not me? And it, and it can get mm. personal, you know. It it gets personal. It's not just like a supermarket, as you say. Like it feels like it's you know set up like a supermarket. It's not just there to be consumed, and that's that's it and you know I believe I I do believe art is for all and I love what Gilbert and George are doing by the way at the moment they've set up this oh really um, yeah they set up this new art center in um like I think around the corner from where they live actually um in Shoreditch and it's free entry so they have like a legacy that many people can just walk into and just experience their work after they're gone and it's free of charge you know yeah but and they, I think that they've um they set it up didn't they because they said that the collections that have their work have gone too woke and won't show it anymore oh really oh see that's yeah, another it's thing a, a secret <laughs> secret villains 
That's another you thing, think, isn't it? You think very hip and happening, but actually secret yeah. villainy. <laughs> so it's like you're doomed if you do and you're doomed if you don't. <laughs> well, or you just accept that, you know, maybe uh, your outdated views don't need to be you know, in the in the entrance way of the Tate every day. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't know. So they're they're you know they're hung up about that, but um, I don't know. It's it's a th- it's a thing of any any sort of creative thing where you are represented. So so it goes the same for comedy, right? Is that yeah. I've done gigs with acts who aren't represented, and I have cried laughing. I've seen oh, several yeah. gigs by c- comedians who were represented by some of the best agencies in the country. Yeah. And have just been completely perplexed as to why, like, you know, how they are represented, but, you know, these other people aren't. And it's a lot of the thing with, with comedy, and I suppose with art as well, is being consistently in the right places. Like, it's 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 rarely going to be like a chance meeting one time with someone. It's always being at those, you know, private views, closing views, private, private dinners from the private views, and like regularly being there. So it's, it is this thing of like, that's why people, you know, lots of people within one social group will all have gallery representation or will all have exhibitions at one gallery or whatever it is, that it's a case of, you know, you have to, and you have to, in order to be able to do that, you have to have a lot of freedoms in order to do that. Like you have to be, you know, probably live in central London, have yeah. the, um, you know, uh, disposable cash to spend a lot of time in the right bars, going to dinners with the right people, whatever it is, have the right university contacts. It, it goes on and on and on. And I mean, you know, I, to an extent as well in, in the comedy world, like I am also part of that problem, right? Because uh, Oxbridge is yeah. massively overrepresented in the comedy world um, yeah. because, you know, the universities have like a long history of doing things with each other. You know, there's funding there for, you yeah. know, for students to take shows up to Edinburgh every year. There are opportunities that are afforded when you go to certain universities or you know belong to certain institutions. So this is not coming from a. I'm I'm aware of the privilege that sort of comes with my background as well. But it's it's the the thing with the art world is it's I think you do have to create your own create your own spaces or find new spaces to to enter into because some of these older establishments there 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 is no there is no way of entry. Yeah, that, absolutely. Know, they, are, they are really stuck in their ways. Yeah, and I think that I think many, I think many European cities are like that because um, many European cities, um, and I would say including London, being a European city in the sense of it being very multicultural, is still very traditional. It's based on tradition, you know, history, lots and lots of history, um, and I think I think that's something I've experienced and witnessed, um, having lived in London, born and raised in central London, um, gone to the like good schools, university, etc. Um, but also having lived in Los Angeles for four years, and the contrast is obviously huge. Um, um but again, I I don't want I don't want to scare people off um from from um taking part in the industry um completely. I, I do think it is just like comedy it's about timing it's about timing and and high pay listeners your time will come and sometimes you do have to play the game like I played the game for a long time and nothing was happening like for a good 10 years for 10 years you know working as a freelancer um and then I was like what am I doing I'm I feel like I'm having to try, try to prove a point here so I moved to the states 
you know, I was in New York and then I was in LA. Um, and then it, and then it hit, you know, then it was like, oh, there's an interest that like, people are interested in my work now, you know, maybe it's cause I lived abroad or whatever. Maybe it's something that, um, Brits have to do. Um, but, but, uh, uh there's also uh, something you mentioned about Oxbridge and a few, a few names came to mind about comedy and the history of comedy. Um, Rowan Atkinson, obviously, and Stephen Fry, um, being two two friends, two pals that have also worked with each other, but it is it is very kind of like a private private members club, um, in in theatre, in art, in fashion, and that's that's just the arts. But sometimes you can also not have, feel the need to feel pressured to comply as well. So I live in Oxfordshire now, talking about Oxford, I live in Oxfordshire in the Cotswolds. Um, and it's great. <laughs> and it's really interesting to see like how thirsty people are to be at every single opening. For me, that just gives me huge anxiety. Like I want to connect and network in a different way. Again, another reason why I set up Hypay as well. So we could do this in a really intimate uh, setting, but also having conversations that um, maybe aren't always had um, at a gallery opening or after, you know, the theatre or something or, you know, where where everyone's like rushing to get home, you know, or to the next bar. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the best thing I did for my mental health probably was moving out of London. I mean, I, I grew up in the countryside, somewhere, you know, super, super rural in Northamptonshire oh, yeah. and, uh, and moved to London for about 18 months after after I graduated and I just you know even in the pandemic like when things were slightly um, opened up again I found the pressure to be at things and to be seen being at things and whatever mm. it was so um, oppressive and the nice thing about mm. you know now I live down in Southampton is that it's like you know I'll see uh, people I know at openings or at events wherever it is and I go oh that's fine I don't live there like I, you know I can't be there I don't live there um, and that's given me a really good, I think, a change in perspective in terms of like, what actually what actually do I need to be at? There are things where it's like, you know, I really do, I really should be there. I should make the effort to go up to London to go and see that. But it's really removed that pressure of like, who is seeing me being where, you know? And and I think that's um, been a big, big thing for me. I, uh, I, I don't think I could, it probably wouldn't be good for me to be back in London, probably. Yeah. Well, in terms of mental health and I'm sure as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's always good to think smart and always um do what's right for you. Um, always. Because again, there are other there are other ways to connect. Uh, there are other ways to engage. And I mean, you know, we know that the internet is fake any, anyway, but um on your Instagram. <laughs> Instagram is fake as well. <laughs> um, but on your Instagram, it, you do look uh, like a girl about time about a girl about town um I think a little bit like me as well like here and there and everywhere but actually it's really nice to hear that you're thinking about priorities which is your mental health being a nature um and mm. thinking smart working smart yeah I mean it, it, it makes me pleased that when I see people say oh you seem to be really busy um <laughs> it makes me pleased it, it looks that way um because also I mean yeah complete transparency is that at the beginning of your career in the creative arts a lot of the stuff I do either hardly pays me anything or doesn't pay me so busy doing things but then also spending the rest of my time in a complete uh panic about 
about when I'm going to earn some money, right? So it looks like things are, you know, very like, wow, she was at this and she's just recorded this with them or whatever it is. Um, And I do lots of really fun, gorgeous things that I'm very, very grateful for. But a lot of stuff that you do that is that feels like postable like the sort of thing you should post yeah um mm-hmm. is you know is for nothing you know or it might have cost you money to get there to do that thing so it's yeah like you say it's all illusion but mm-hmm. um it's uh you know it, but it can help you to look like you're someone doing things so I would recommend to sort of any creative to to post stuff um when you're doing something that feels at all relevant like even if it's like oh I've gone to see this exhibition just post something from it and it and it does build up the sense of you know you are someone who knows what they're talking about and does loads of things um I had a teacher when I was about I don't know 15 who was teaching us how to do our first CVs and he said that like if you've ever built a birdhouse you should put it on your CV as like engineering experience um and he yeah. was great and I just sort of really like that that there's a <laughs> that's a lot of stuff that doesn't feel like anything in the moment but actually it's like oh I've just picked up a new book um about an arty thing I'm gonna share a picture of it yeah. these things do build up into things that does make you look like an expert in what you're talking about um so yeah if you've built a birdhouse say that you're you've got engineering experience Rosie, who would you say are your three inspirational people oh um Oh, I feel like I really need to think about this. I'll just, I'll, I feel like I'll say three names and they'll be like, why did I say them? I feel like they'll just be the first three people that came to mind. Um, I don't, I don't know, but it is really interesting because I was recently with a, with a friend and we were doing some vision, doing some vision boards, um, and which, which I found very interesting, uh, and cutting things out of old magazines. And it was just a bit, you know, a bit of fun, interesting to see what things your, your brain chooses, and we were also doing some exercises that I'd seen in a in a really good book called um, oh I, I now I can't remember what it was called but it was like the comparison guide or how to get over comparison I'll I'll send you the link to when I remember it but one of those those was to sort of list out some people um, which included like people who um, whose career you um, would like to emulate um people who inspire you but then also people that you are jealous of and it was really interesting um because a lot of the a lot of those people were the same people um and like you're saying about um artists going to art fairs and being like well why isn't it me it's like a lot of people that you can be like I want to do their exact career that's why you're jealous of them because it's like well you know that's really annoying that they're doing that because I would like to do that um so um so yeah, so for me, the idea of like thinking about inspirational people, I feel like I inevitably end up going into like quite a negative place of being like, who do I wish didn't exist so I could do their job, uh, which is a, a horrible way to go through your life. Um, so I don't really know, but uh, I think I, I also struggle with, I don't know if you've ever met someone who, when they speak to someone with an accent, they sort of can't help but sort of do that accent back to them. They've got that sort of like mirroring thing. And yes. I feel like that with other people's goals. Like I'll be speaking to someone who's just written their first, you know, uh, teenage fiction novel. And then I'll leave and I'll really berate myself and be like, why haven't I written my first teenage fiction novel? It's like, I, I don't, I do not want to write a, fi- a teenage fiction novel, you know, an artist who's just, 
been represented by gallery and it's like, oh, why aren't I? Well, because I'm not an artist. But I feel this real thing of comparison between yeah. lots of people. And I've worked on it a lot. And that book, which I'll remember eventually, was really, really helpful um, for, you know, creating your own lane and and sticking to it. Um, because, yeah, a lot of uh, people that I'd say I look up to secretly, I feel like deep down I'm working on, I'm working on wanting them to succeed rather than wishing that I was doing what they were doing. So, uh, so, so no one is my answer. Yeah, absolutely absolutely no one. I think that's great. I don't think we've ever had so far um, on high pay anyone that's said no one. And (laughs) I don't don't know if that's a good thing. I think I might have to look into that. I think it. I think it's good. I think again, like I, we know, we're having conversations about being your authentic you, and mm. that's what you think. And yeah, again, that's refreshing because I, I again, we are in a society that is very comparison um, based, even mm. subliminally, especially with social yeah. media. Yeah, and I mean, especially for. Also, I just had like such a large stomach growl and I want to like pause so that can be edited so it doesn't look like in the middle of your talking. I didn't hear it. No one heard it. But but (laughs) I find a lot of the time, especially being uh, women in this industry um, or or femme presenting individuals, there's a a large amount of um, comparison placed on that to be like, um, oh, uh, there's this other woman who does what you do. So we sort of got that box checked. So we'll give, you know, she will do all of, the, all of those things. Um, whereas with men, there's much more of a sense of like, the more the merrier. Um, yeah. So that adds another sort of layer to it. And I, and I mean, the thing with me is I'm quite good at, at short-term goals. So, you know, I want to mm. get that pitch sent out. I'd like to do these things. And, and there are a lot of them all at the same time. But as soon as I'm thinking like over a year away, I really go a bit yeah. blank. So, you know, even if by magic, someone could say to me, you know, if you give me a list of all the things you want to achieve in five years, I will guarantee they will come true. Write me a list. I don't trust that in five years time, I would still want those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's hard It's hard to think of someone who's inspirational because it feels like, you know, even if right now I want to be doing what they're doing, I don't think I'd necessarily want to follow their path to do it because somewhere along mm-hmm. the way, um, you know, I might decide I want to be a fireman. Yeah. I think also, I think, I think for me in terms of manifesting um, or goals is I don't tell people my goals. Mm. I just don't (laughs) because Mm. I lose interest if I, as soon as I say, oh, I really want to do this. I mean, not just like banal things. Like I really want a glass of red wine. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That's a given. That's always going to be a given. Um, But like, oh, I'm going to, you know, fly I don't know, uh, plane in 10 years time. Like mm. I may lose, I may lose the, that spark that I need. That mm. it feels like a secret to like between me and the universe. Like this is what I want to create and let's see if it's actually going to happen. And I want to be in competition with myself. Let's say like into, in a weird, in a weird um, masochistic way. I love, I love a challenge. Like I love mm. to challenge myself and like hurt myself by seeing, well, I'm I'm going to do this thing and I, I want to do it. Just like high pay, like the podcast was like, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm gonna, actually going to do it. And I've been mm. 
thinking on it for three years and it was in my head for three years and then I was like effort I'm just gonna do it (laughs) and no one was like ready I hate a challenge honestly (laughs) I I cannot be bothered with a challenge I would like I fundamentally I just like to do things I'm already good at and and to just have things you know things come to me you know that's I'm I'm no good at uh seeing things through so things really have to happen like in the moment so it'll be like I'm gonna do what was it like there have been loads of things over the years we'll be like I'm gonna do that and then the the first thing I'll do is like commission a logo to be made even though that thing never happens but I'm so like right now this is what I want to do um and (laughs) and yeah I mean the long the long-term goals and, and things like that I I really struggle with and I think also the nice thing I spoke to someone uh I, I can't remember where I, I heard this um somewhere online about this sense of if you know you you want an opportunity and it doesn't happen that someone said or it, it might turn out that it's like a bible verse and so it's <laughs> yeah, always like, or it's like really famous and I'll look like a, a bit of a fool but um someone said that this or better yes yes really that's a prayer it's it's a it's a spiritual prayer. It's something actually I say like this or something better. Like to the universe, like an invocation. I'll have this or something better, please and thanks. Like, Cheers. And and like I've been trying to say that to myself now because it's like I can't plan the things that I do want really like long term. Like I know that I want to be a presenter, but then I don't know what you know. You never know what form that's going to take. But being able to say like I really like that thing, but if I don't get that thing, that you know that then gives me time to pursue the other thing or freedom to pursue the other thing so I'm trying to I'm trying to get more into that which feels like a better attitude to have than someone who's like no one inspires me uh such a such an only child (laughs) no no one's no one is judging you me in particular I'm not judging you at all um but I think I think it allows room and space again for the magic and opportunities to come in because you just never know like if you say this or something better you just never know what else could come in like mm. especially with regard to your skill sets you were talking about skill sets earlier as well like refining those skill sets and like seeing oh there's something else like something happened uh a, a couple of things happened recently um where like I really wanted to do I'm not going to say to the high pay listeners because it's another secret goal let's say yeah and something better did turn up and I was like oh my god I completely forgot like I completely forgot I even applied to this thing like seven months ago you know or um yeah so I was stressing about something and like something amazing turned up I was like okay great phew I don't have to have anxiety dreams about this anymore great I mean at least for the the moment (laughs) um and and things and things come up the things that you know and it is annoyingly it is oftentimes the things that you've put the least effort into or like you've thought about the least that end up really turning out for the best which is a easy to say when that's happening and it's like harder to swallow when you're like right now I'd really like I'd really like something to swoop in right now that it turned out I'd forgotten about or that you know some chance encounter had led to it a year ago that I didn't even realize I could really like that to happen soon um but you know it is the way it happens so so annoyingly quite a lot of creative careers are like well you just gotta wait and see like yeah I always say that I'm very jealous of my friends who wanted to be lawyers because it's like I'd like to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to university and I'm going to do lots of exams and then I will be a lawyer. Um, whereas <laughs> creative careers, it's like, well, I, I hope that something turns up. Uh, and there's not there's not really much you can, you know, after you've done some active reaching out and some 
like a personal brand development or whatever a lot of yeah. it is just hoping that someone stumbles across you yeah. or someone went went to that gig and they when they messaged you afterwards or or yeah. whatever it is so annoyingly a lot of it is just <laughs> crossing your fingers which is a, a hard pill to swallow absolutely and also I think with you I I I think I, you've been around my circuit for a while somehow and I think because we know mutual people in common um like Joe McLaughlin um mm. and Amy uh, Dawson as well um and it just wasn't the right time to have you on the podcast and then it just happened to be the right time so um yeah oh, I appreciate um, it and uh and me too and I'm sure the high pay listeners do too um last two questions um would you would you be able to give three tips and tricks you've already like shared quite some like you know noteworthy insights um about how to deal with the art world Hmm. but would you would you be able to give like three maybe even specific tips or tricks to someone who wants to do something like you maybe sees you as a goal (laughs) like sees you as like comedy yeah you know um so being an uh, art reach out yeah reach out to people because uh people will people people do want to help other people and especially if it's like if you think of yourself as like on the bottom rung which i don't think exists rather than reaching like reaching out to someone who's like the top of the ladder reach out to someone who's like a rung a couple of rungs ahead of you if you view it that way because they will really remember when they were you and they'll feel very, you know, complimented by the fact that you've reached out to them for advice. I mean, when Amy was on your podcast, she mentioned the fact that I reached out to her. And initially when I heard it, I was really embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, this is really, like, I can't believe that now like, on this podcast, it looks like I'm like really, really needy. And I've reached out to Amy to be like, help me. But then actually that's what you got to do. That actually no one, yeah. no one but you finds it cringy to reach out to people to have a chat. So reach out to people to have a chat because they will want to help you or like they'll remember you in years to come and something will come about um start an instagram which sounds really i don't know like i don't know i was gonna say it sounds a bit like basic but it definitely isn't i I think that the thing with starting an instagram isn't start an instagram and work out how to get loads of followers i follow quite a few accounts that are like this is how you do a content strategy. And like, this is how I got my followers from zero to hundred K in a day or whatever it is. And it's yeah. like, I see people who make, who are really consistent and they make videos all the time. And they do lots of posts, but I don't know anything about them. Like mm. I see that they're all at all the art fairs. They're giving advice to artists on how they can improve or what things they should go to. But like, I don't have a sense of whether I'd want to go and have a drink with them or whether I'd want to bump into them or and and they all seem very pleasant but it's like I think that starting an Instagram where regardless of how many followers you have there's a real sense of who you are and your Mm. authentic tone of voice so not being too slick being a bit rough around the edges sharing all the things you know if you make a birdhouse say you're an engineer kind of thing um so yeah uh sharing all the stuff you have because you really might as well um that was two yeah third one um so reaching out to people sharing stuff um I think uh I'm not very good at this but keeping a note of or or you know doing a mind map or or something of the people who you have crossed paths with 
mm-hmm. who you can it's, it sort of plays into the first one I guess but like keeping a, a, a list of people that you've crossed paths with in the past who you should keep up those contacts with them so rather than just reaching out once just being like oh yeah it's probably time that I reach out to them again just to reintroduce yourself but um I don't know that feels like the first one it feels like cheating so that's the third one no it Um, feels it sounds like it sounds like the nurturing element also also it doesn't feel or seem false or like I'm going to use you for this like nepotism it's like nurturing contacts like nurturing people's um like connections with people yeah and and I guess it's yeah (laughs) it's very easy to then be like and the third one is like don't panic just trust yourself where whereas like I'm gonna log off after this recording and be like I don't trust myself at all what am I doing <laughs> um so that feels also feels hypocritical but I think it is like if you are making stuff that you're proud of and you're making stuff that you feel like represents you the right people will be interested so yeah if you're finding that you're not uh, I don't know attracting the attention of the group of people that you feel like you want to attract or whatever it is maybe that's not the that's not the place you should be focusing on it's like you know that picture of the airplane with loads of holes in the front of the plane in world war ii or whatever and they're like oh so what we did is we we really really focused on like covering up the nose of the plane because that was obviously where it got hit loads and then they didn't realize that the reason why they still have those planes because those are the planes that made it back so actually you need to really Mm. support the back of the plane because the nose can take a hit this is feel yeah. i feel like i'm losing my my train of thought but i think it's, it's a metaphor lean in lean into the things that are working for you and don't panic about the things that aren't working for you because most of the time you don't you don't have to do the things that you're not good at so really lean into yeah. that um so so yeah tend to the right bit of the plane that's I great guess. and and then lastly what would be your word of wisdom single word <laughs> single word or many words single word um i think well, you actually I mean, just said it really about the plane analogy tend to tend to the tend to the right bit of the plane i mean i uh <laughs> they they're, they're written next to me cuz i'm i'm trying out a mantras thing i'm trying okay. out to see if that works for me but i will share them despite uh, I'll yeah. get honest with you that I wrote down the things that I was worried would get in the way of me getting what I want uh, mm-hmm. in my career and then I tried to translate those into like the opposite so make them a mantra so one of them was like I feel like I'm worried that I am unqualified so one of the first ones is I am qualified so I've got I am qualified I have all the resources I need I'm in demand and desirable that's those are the those are my three mantras so I think that those, those are mine. So maybe my word of wisdom is like, what are you worried about? And then re- reverse it into a thing to say to yourself in the shower. Yeah, absolutely. I love those. Thanks for sharing those. Um, right. And when are you going to be uh, on stage again doing stand-up? Oh, all of the time. I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, at uh, Art, I share most of them. Um I'm in an improv group that performs once a month at, uh, at Two North Down called Gideon Improv. Uh, there is an art last gig that maybe is going to have happened before this goes out. So you can cut this out um, on the 26th of October at Woolwich Contemporary Art, Contemporary Print Fair. Um, and then we are back in the National Gallery on February the 16th. Um, and there'll be other times that pop up in between then. 
Amazing. Well, I'd love to see you live at some point soon. I'm in and out yeah, of the country, but I will come and see you soon. And maybe we can have a drink later as well. Um, well, that's it for now. Hi, pay listeners. I hope you have enjoyed this wonderful episode with Verity. Go and check the links provided. And uh, yeah, get turned on and tune in every Thursday. See you next Thursday with another inspirational guest. Ciao for now.